What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Weird week for the Hounds with a win and a loss. Steel City wrapped up their season, and the U.S. Women's National Team are champions again. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, it's a weird victory beverage. It's a multi-purpose victory beverage. It really is. Oh. I mean, because, look. World Cup winning and, you know, 4th of July yes, winning. Yes, 4th of July winning, World Cup winning. Steel City won their last three. So hmm. we're going to call it just an That's overall. Right. We're going to ignore what happened Sunday. It was an overall winning week <laughs> for soccer fans in Pittsburgh. Um, great stuff. Josh, we haven't, like. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. It's been like two weeks. Yeah, I know. Um, like I, I got to watch an episode of Mongols and not be <laughs> on it, and it was neat. And I was like, oh, cool. So I threw it up on the TV, and we uh, watched the 15-minute episode. It was a lot of fun. Now that's that's a thought, Kev. Me and you on a TV. That's uh, a <laughs> projector, too. That thing was huge. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, Kev, you, uh, you made it back to Tennessee okay? Made it back to Tennessee okay, powered through, did one of those like, you know, timed pit stops every time we had to go to the bathroom. We were just in and out. We were on the road. We were back. <laughs> Riley, you got two minutes. Go. <laughs> we were good. Stopwatch necessary? <laughs> <laughs> when you drive with Kevin, although as I was, as we were pulling out of the place where we were. It's like that. Well, as we were pulling out of the place at Deep Creek, I kept messing with your car. And you, your, your argument was, if I hit your car, I have to buy you a Tesla. I was like, that's a that's little right. steep. <laughs> like, I'm yep. not buying you a Tesla if I hit your car. Well, it's because if you're messing around, if you accidentally hit my car, then no, fine. You know, just get, you can, your insurance can give me a ton of money and it's fine. But if you intentionally hit my car, then yeah, I'm making you buy me a Tesla. I'll go to, I'll go to court over that, Mike. <laughs> That would be fun. Then we could do like what Mongols in the courtroom. Over <laughs> that would Tesla. be really funny. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be skipping that episode as well. Uh, <laughs> is, is this is this what this podcast is turning into? Let's let's see how many antics we can get into just for the content. Let's uh, everything is content. See how many weird situations we can put ourselves in. Yeah, I was gonna say our our friends over at uh, Unused Subs they uh, they get a lot of play from crazy content and. Making former host Dan do things that he really doesn't want to do, like um, it wasn't eat nachos. What's the uh, what's the French fries with the gravy? He didn't want to eat nachos. It wasn't nachos. It was something else. What's the? I think I want to say it's the French fries with the gravy on it. It's from Canada. Now I can't remember what it's called, but people love it. I want to say it begins with a P. Yeah, there are people shouting at their my head. mobile devices right can... now. Ah, okay. It has like cheese curds on it and like let's move on. No Okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess first things first, we gotta uh, give a shout out. Steel City FC finished their regular season with three wins, um, which is huge. We had talked about them all season, which, you know, for them is like a month and a half, where they sort of had some struggles where they had sort of uh, two games a week, but uh, they basically lost three nothing to Torch FC, and after that they beat Torch FC one nothing and they beat Lehigh Valley twice. 3-1 and 1-0. So 
they ended up finishing third in the Keystone Division. Um, kudos to them. Um, you know, the season's basically done at this point. But earlier this evening, I was able to sit down with uh, Jordan Deloise, who is the team's GM, and uh, we had a great discussion. Let's uh, let's hear what Jordan has to say. Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. No, absolutely. I'm I'm thrilled to have you. Um, you know, we were just talking a little bit about how the team finished. You know, they came away with a four wins, three losses, a draw, which is an improvement over the two five and one record last year. What's the the feeling like around the team? I think it's good. I think um, this year definitely we weren't quite sure what to expect. Um, just because we were in the new conference this year, we never played any of the teams that we played. Um, and our conference last year was really, really, really tough. There were some really good teams. Um, there we were playing against like Mexican international players, Irish international players, like really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teams we played this year were also very strong. But I think we are feeling excited about next season. Um, now that we kind of know what to expect. And I, I think we'll do really well next year. So I think people are feeling confident. Um, even though we did drop a couple that maybe maybe we should have won. But um, I think we're looking forward to next year, and we're ready to kind of keep things rolling, and we'll have a little bit of a new swagger next year heading into the season. No, absolutely, and I think I think we're all sort of excited to sort of see what happens next season. And obviously, we've talked a little bit about this, where the team really only plays for like a month and a half. Like, that's that's how long the season is. Mm-hmm. So so really, what's what's next for this team? Sort of what, what do you sort of go into the offseason with? Um, you know, what's sort of your focus in the off season? You know, what are you looking at, especially as a GM? Um, where do you go from here? Well, the college players, as you, I'm sure, have guessed, are, you know, often getting ready for preseason. Some are already in their um, mm-hmm. preseason training. Um, the older players are letting their bodies heal still, I would imagine. Um, and then just kind of heading into the off season, I always take, you know, just a little bit of time to kind of recharge my batteries a little bit and, um you know, get like some, just kind of clear my mind, get some fresh ideas for next year. And then really I'm going to sit down with Steph and just talk about what worked this year or like what we really feel like we need to improve for next year. And then just kind of start working on things for next, next season. Um, We'll try, you know, go see our players play this fall that are still playing in college and stuff like that. And definitely, you know, still trying to recruit some players at those games. Um, But, you know, the biggest thing is just identifying our areas that we need to improve and you know getting to work on those it definitely feels like there was more buzz about the team this year than i've probably seen in quite a while um how do you you know you mentioned sort of having some ideas have you thought at all about potentially how you can sort of continue that growth with the team continue that buzz a little bit heading into obviously the long off season before we get back to next season yeah, you know, well, I feel like the buzz this year was due. We had a really, really awesome group of volunteers that helped us out with getting newsletters out. And we got our first newsletter out this this spring. Um, and just, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm not a social, I personally am not a social media person. Mm-hmm. So we've had people kind of take that responsibility and really make it their own and really run with it. And they've been awesome about helping us get the word out and things like that. Um, so I think that's part of the reason that you see that. Um, and then... We something Steph and I talked about this season was um, whenever she first started the team, it was like wow, there's this huge buzz about it, and you know all of like the new players that we brought in were like, yes, this is amazing. We had nowhere to play before, and we, we you know we we need this in our city. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've been kind of around for a while. Those players are sort of uh, getting ready to retire or getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, now it's about you know, 
how do we get those younger players and those players who are still playing in college or about to be playing in college to still recognize the value that that we have and how important it is to have this team because they've actually, they have no idea what it's like not having Steel City. They right. go play for their colleges. They come home in the summer. Steel City's here every year and we're ready, we're ready and waiting for them. Um, so I think it's just about, you know, continuing to educate um, our younger players on who we are and what we do and why we do it. Um, and then just, you know, really getting them bought in because, you know, they're the future of it and we kind of need them to, put this organization on their back and, you know, keep us moving forward. Um, Cause if, you know, obviously like we can do a ton of stuff in the community and we can do, you know, uh, plan events and things like that. But if we don't have players excited about it and we don't have our players, you know, bought into our program, then um, we're not going to get very far. So. Well, I mean, you mentioned excitement and obviously the U S women's national team just won another world cup. And I get the sense personally that, now more than ever, this country is really taking note of, of women's soccer. Have you gotten that sense as well? Heck yeah. And that's, I mean, something we definitely, with like you mentioned the buzz, like we wanted to capitalize on this year. You know, it's not a women's World Cup year every year. So, and even the Olympics is a little bit less with, you know, both both the men and women. So the Women's World Cup year, women's World Cup year is a huge for us. Just trying, it just seems like more people are talking about women's soccer, more people are excited about it. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to, you know, use that excitement. And, um, one thing that I did want to touch on is, uh, like for, I'm sure you have a lot of women that listen to your podcast mm-hmm. or that maybe will listen to this when they hear that, you know, they're talking about steel city. Um, but just get involved. Like, don't let that excitement stop. It doesn't have to be every four years. It can be all the time. Like we need more, more female coaches. That's like the biggest thing that that I notice whenever I'm coaching is, you know, I'm hardly ever coaching and it's another woman and it, it's, it's so important. And that's one of the reasons that Steph started Steel City is because we need women in these leadership roles and, you know, you don't have to play professionally in, you know, Germany or something like that to, to coach a U8 girls rec team. You know, mm-hmm. we need people at grassroots and all levels. And if they're listening to this podcast, they clearly love the game and know about it. Um, and they definitely have something to offer. So I would just encourage people to get involved because it really is important and it does make a difference. Oh, no doubt. And, and you know, I can speak from experience in that that first time you sort of step on as a coach in like U6, you're terrified. But then you quickly realize <laughs> like they know nothing about the game and, and you know slightly <laughs> more than they do. So it, like you could absolutely help teach the kids and have a have a huge blast just doing it and yeah um absolutely if you're interested at all make sure you know go check out your local organization and just get involved i i can't echo that enough um well well put yeah sure i think yeah just getting that first moment of oh my gosh i never thought i would have to coach someone that moment yeah. out of your way like <laughs> i never thought i'd have to tell them that and how do they not know that but then you realize like oh wow i do i do know what i'm talking about yeah exactly exactly um so you know you played a little bit you you obviously coach um you know when you aren't with the team you're you're the team's gm so you know what is the biggest challenge for you as a gm either heading into the off season or even just you know give us a little bit of insight into what the biggest challenge for you may be during the season oh just during the season it's because everything is happening so quickly and um it's you know just trying to make sure we're like having enough money to keep things keep things running and you know making sure we're paying for fields and everything on time and um just kind of i feel like keep the season is just such a blur because it's like 
eight games in pretty much eight weeks and mm-hmm. um, training a couple times a week. It's just a really, really busy time. Um, so after the season, it's definitely we're right back into talking about um, fundraising and um, trying to identify new sponsors and um, just how can we keep revenue coming or keep not revenue, keep money coming in mm-hmm. um, to, to fund this thing every year. Um, and uh, how can we make it more professional for our players and um, just make it a better experience for fans and for uh, for everyone involved. So just that's the biggest thing is just trying to make sure that we're, you know, getting enough money in the door to, you know, have things running the way they should be running. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, how some of the college players are going back to the college teams. Some of the others are just sort of healing up and, you know, heading into the off season. How closely do you keep an eye on not only the steel players from this year, but also players you may have an eye on from other teams? Well, what I try and do is just, this is maybe even like weird, but I try and set up like a, like a Google alert. So anytime, like, like last year, our um, goalkeeper, Jess Neal was a senior at Seton Hill and she like won a bunch of like, you know, different awards and was player of the week multiple times. So I just set up like a little alert for everyone's name. That way, if mm-hmm. I'm not able to make the game, um, I get like a little notification about it and we can kind of, you know, retweet or, or post something about, Hey, check out what Steel City players are doing with their colleges and things like that. Um, just, you know, trying to keep like the buzz going, like I said, throughout the fall and just to support them because we have awesome women on our team and, you know, they, they definitely deserve whatever recognition they're earning. Um, so just things like that. And then trying to go see as many games as possible, as possible, as many college games um, to see our players and then just to, to try and recruit people as well. Um, the biggest thing that we found for player recruitment is just talking to the collegiate coaches whenever we're about to have tryouts has been helpful and then just word of mouth a lot of times that we you know we might only have one player from a certain college play for us that year and then the next year there's like three and like oh yeah so and so loved it last year so you know they bring a couple of their teammates in so uh just keeping the focus on making sure it's a good environment and um making it so people want to be there Oh, that's awesome. I mean, sometimes, you know, as with sports, as in business, if you if you build an environment where people want to be there, then those people sometimes become the absolute best advocates to get you more talent. And so, um, totally, yeah. yeah, the fact the fact that you focus on having that environment for the players to start, I think only bodes well for the for the club moving forward. So I think that's great. Um, yeah, we want to be the place to be. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Steph a few times. And when we talked to Steph earlier this year, she talked about really the community focus and involvement with the team that she really, um, I don't want to say is sort of the cornerstone of the team, but it's something she thinks very highly of um, and really wants to focus on. Is there anything on the schedule that uh, that you can sort of mention here that we should keep an eye out for that you guys are going to be doing here coming up? Um, we don't have any community events uh, coming up anytime really that soon. Uh, mm-hmm. We did just this past week. We did. Um, it's our second time, our second year in a row doing it. We did a um, free soccer camp for Pittsburgh Public Schools. Oh, nice. Um, girls soccer team. So for middle school and high school girls soccer teams. Um, so FedEx Ground actually sponsors that event. So we're able to, um, you know, rent the field, rent a uh, turf field for them. Um, get them lunch every day and then we have the players come in and work with them and do a bunch of different training sessions we added in a coach education course on the last day that was open to all of the coaches this year run by our head coach tom ovenden and um and by the men's npsl head coach tom campbell um so it was great of them to come in and do that um 
that was our most recent thing. We don't have anything necessarily scheduled right now. Probably once the, uh, like I said, we're just kind of recharging our batteries. And then um, probably once the school year gets going, um, we'll be, you know, looking for opportunities um, to do things like that. And and, and even outside of like events, something that we really tried to focus on this year is um, just being involved in the community as well. Like sometimes I think, you know, we get caught up being like, oh, we have to have all these events and we need to bring people into our things. But um it's about like I, i'm like i'm looking forward to going out and supporting other women's sports this fall like rugby plays this fall um i want to go see a roller derby match uh you know i just i want to be be out in the community supporting those organizations um and just anything else kind of going on around town i want to make sure that we're trying to get involved in things like that and different and attending different events as well just to be present and you know to hear what's important to you know people in our community and then maybe we can tap into that with our own events Oh, that's um, down the road a little bit. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. I mean, first of all, I think the the clinic that you ran for the Pittsburgh Public Schools is amazing, and I think just I personally have been involved with clinics like that in the past, and the impact that you have beyond just sort of what you're able to teach on the field goes so far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. So I think the fact that you guys were able to organize that and put that together and really do that is just fantastic. And yeah, and I totally get behind. You know, let's support all of the other women's programs that are out there and, and, and just, yeah, like you said, being in the community. Um, I, I think that's really, really cool. Um, so now it's time for the big question. And uh, we, we've asked, <laughs> yeah, I know, we've, we've asked this of everybody that's come on from Steel City, but if you had a magic wand and can make anything happen for this team, it could be, you know, a huge influx of money. It could be your own stadium. It could be uh, more fans. It could be anything at all. What would you do? Okay, I I've heard you ask this question. And I have thought about it. <laughs> okay. uh, I did my I did my homework. Good. I did. Yeah, I didn't want to be on the first podcast. I was nervous. Um, but I, I think this is what I would do. I think an influx of money to be able to build our own facility would be the way to go. Since our season's so short, we could use that facility to host events throughout the year. You know, we could use it. We could rent out turf field space throughout the year to help fund, you know, our programs and everything that we're trying to do. Um, so I think it would, that would be a good investment for us. And it would just be awesome to have, you know, like space for like pregame tailgate events and a video analysis room and, you know, a bar for our fans to drink beer at our game or order food at our game. Um, oh, that would be amazing. I think that would be if it if there really was a magic wand, I think that would have to be the way to go that would be so awesome oh i can't i can't disagree with that at all as you were sort of like specking it out there i was sort of picturing it in my mind of you know just go down tailgate <laughs> for a little bit hang out at the bar it sounds like a blast yeah if, if you could put the awesome. field anywhere in pittsburgh where would you put it oh great question um i do love our location in shady side i do mm-hmm. love where the ellis school is located I think it's very central. There's a lot of like things around there uh-huh. um, that you can do. So maybe stick with that or hmm, like there or maybe like maybe Oakland, somewhere centrally located. But or but as long as we have a parking lot, it right. could be downtown or in Oakland or anywhere. As long as there's like a parking lot, we don't have to worry about finding parking. Then I think that we would be in the clear. So probably the shady side Oakland area, we would probably stick to that. I was going to say, we, we've talked about how sort of the Ellis School is sort of centrally located and could be a great time, sort of, you know, you go get some food at Shadyside, you make your way over to the game. Oakland could be pretty 
stinking cool um with all the students mm-hmm. there I agree. you could get a lot of usage year round and hmm, if anybody out there listening has some deep pockets let's uh let's make this happen that would be pretty amazing <laughs> and a huge plot of land in oakland exactly yeah if you have deep pockets and a huge plot of land in oakland please let us know uh, please call please call me tonight <laughs> yes exactly exactly um well jordan this has been great um you know uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously you guys have a ton going on at steel city. Um, is there anywhere that, uh, I guess, is there any way that people can help? Is there anything else that, uh, if we have any other questions or, or we want to volunteer in any way, how do we get in touch with you? Yes. We are always looking for people to, who want to help out, whether you have like, you know, a, a special skill set. Uh, you want to like film games for us or, you know, do, you know, you feel like you have something that you could really bring to our organization from like a marketing standpoint. Um, please contact us. We are always looking for help. Or even if you want, or like, Hey, I would sell t-shirts at your games for you. You know, um, we, uh, we would love to have you involved. Um, so you can, uh, you can reach us on our, all of our contact info is on our website. It's just steelcityfc.com. There's no, no periods in the FC. It's just steelcityfc.com. Um, our email, our email's on there. It's actually the email will come directly to me, the steelcityfcpittsburgh at gmail.com. Um, so if you have questions about anything or want to get involved or, you know, are interested in different opportunities, especially if you're a student, we can, you know, work out some sort of internship for you. Um, we're just looking to grow, you know, um, we're a small organization, which is awesome, um, because we can be really flexible about, you know, the positions that we have available and, you know, what we're in need of. Um, so yeah, get involved, hit us up. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. We're always looking for volunteers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, when when we were talking a little bit off air about volunteers, I started to think about like, man, I'd, I'd like to get involved. So I need to reach out to you and see if there's something I might be able to pitch in on and, uh, and help Heck you. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, yeah. this is great enough. I appreciate this involvement. No, but absolutely. Yeah, that would be so cool. We would love to have you involved. Absolutely. Um, Jordan, thank you again for, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I know that, you know, our listeners love hearing about Steel City FC. We can't wait to see, you know, what the team has in store this offseason. Heading into next season, obviously, we're going to keep our eyes peeled to the news to see what sort of things you guys have going on. Um, it's just, it's a great organization. We're, we can't be happier that you guys are here. We're just thrilled and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Oh my gosh, Mike, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. So again, huge thanks to Jordan for stopping by. Um, great discussion on air, off air. Just seems like a really great person. Can't wait to see what happens here with Steel City FC. And as she said, if you're interested in the team at all and you want to volunteer, um, they're they're very flexible and they're looking for ways to just get anybody involved that they can. So you know, if you're good with a camera or you just want to be involved, reach out to them, let them know. Um, because uh, you can get it in the grassroots level and it'd be really, really cool. So thanks again to Jordan for stopping by. Um, guys, U.S. Women's National Team crushed it again this week. Um, it's been all over the papers. Uh, just like, woo, woo. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just... I mean, it's spectacular. I feel like the message now is everyone's like reminding everyone that like we have a professional women's soccer league yeah. in America. Don't let this be the last time you talk about women's soccer for four years. Like, obviously, locally, Steel City FC, and like you're saying, like 
volunteer, help out, grow that. But also, there is a professional league in America, NWSL. Like, I think the closest team to Pittsburgh, though, is is Washington Spirit. So, it's about three and a half hours away. So, it, not exactly the closest uh, team to, to root for. But, but pick a team anyway. Like, you don't... It's support local soccer, support your uh, women's soccer leagues and team. So, yeah, do it. I mean, it's similar to MLS, right? I mean, the closest MLS team is how far is Columbus? Yeah. Like two and a half? Like three. three. Yeah, yeah, two and a so half. So it's, it's really no different. Yeah. But, uh, oh, and P.S. It's poutine. That's what it's called. Poutine is the poutine. name. Poutine. Uh, there it is. <laughs> now it's been a while since everyone heard <laughs> us not know what that name is. Uh, that's great. Anyway, yes, the continue. fries with the gravy. Poutine. Um, no joke. I I. I desperately kind of want a Carly Lloyd kit or a Megan Rapino kit now. Definitely. Um, I like, there's something about Rapino's uh, goal celebration that just like puts a smile on my face. It's just like elegant while being pompous, while being like, go shove it up your Bold. butt. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just like, this is me. Accept it or deal with it or whatever. But nothing to take away from from that, but I want a uh, Rose Lavelli jersey. That's how you say your last name, right? Yeah, Ohio's Ohio's own. You know, she was nuts in the final. She was awesome. She she was incredible. I mean, like I've never. I I was literally trying to think back to this. I I I haven't seen a player dominate a game like that like in a long time. Period. No, I don't care what I'm watching, what kind of soccer I'm watching. She dominated that game. I was I was amazed by her by her performance in the final. She was incredible. Yeah. No, it's it's great stuff. And to see all of, like I said, all of the news, I think they were on the full-page cover of the Washington Post. Um, it's great. It's fantastic. And and I think it's... It, I can't Here, to even... Put re- it, to put it in perspective, what I, I think what the Women's World Cup started in 1991, if I'm not mistaken, could be right. Uh, that's when I was born, so there you go. I'll make you guys feel old and all that kind of Thanks, stuff. Kevin. Um, Thanks, Kevin. But, <laughs> no but so si- since I was born... They they had a chance to win a World Cup seven times and, and they've won it four times. Like they've won more than fifty percent of the possible World Cups, like since I was you know since I was born since the start of everything. I mean that's that's nuts. Like that's and what I mean, they're the the uh, they're not the what Germany did a back to back earlier I think right. But they're the but since then the 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 women yeah it's nuts yeah. I, I I distinctly remember what was it a few years ago where everyone was saying that the Spanish men's team was like the best of all times because it had a chance to win back-to-back World Cups and they won other trophies in between. But, I mean, here's a case where, you know, if you're lamenting what's, you know, the deal with U.S. soccer, you know, you're basically just looking at the men's side because the women's are getting it right. And so, uh, yeah, it's just well, awesome. that was a, Like, the other, like, Watching the watching the final, like the Netherlands barely created anything. I mean, mm-hmm. like the U.S. completely control. They made an incredible Netherlands side look absolutely ordinary, and just and they just brushed them aside. It was it was incredible. Yeah, I mean they they played their hearts out. I I feel like the game was a lot of fun, and it, it yeah it's great to watch your team win. But I'm still I still want to see competition around the world get better. Oh yeah, you know, women's side because I I want. I want there to be a competition, and I want to see us, you know, climb that hill and, and get a fifth. But I want it to be a challenge. I don't want it to be, like, just rolling over everyone. And uh, that's, that's not as fun. Um, obviously, it's a lot more fun than watching your team lose all the time. 
Uh, so <laughs> was that was that a segue? Were you uh, was that was that is that what you're getting at there, Josh? Is that a segue into what happened this weekend? Uh, what depends on what team you're talking about. Here. <laughs> um. So I guess I, you know, I guess one last time, congrats to the women's team. Um, fantastic stuff. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Hounds. Um, as we mentioned in the open, it was a bit of a weird week. Uh, we played two games. Obviously, we had the game on Fourth of July where we won one nothing against Beth Steele, and then we lost one nothing to Charlotte on Sunday. And guys, as we were sort of talking off air, I said, you know, do we want to talk about this games individually, or do we want to like combine them? How do we want to do this? And Josh, you made the point of like they're so distinctly different, we almost have to talk about them separately. So let's let's start with Beth Steele. Um, it's a game where, for the most part, it felt fairly back and forth. The Hounds got their goal from Forbes on a set piece, and my God, what a set piece that was. Um, Josh, you were there. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the festivities and, and sort of the feeling around the field. How were things going up until that point where he put the ball in? Were you guys nervous at all? Because we sort of felt like this game, not that it was an automatic win, but it was definitely ones the Hounds should win. It definitely felt weird to go from high-scoring games the last three, and then to go to this one and being like, "Huh, we don't we don't have a goal yet." Like, even when we had one goal, be like, "We only have one goal. What's going on here?" Like, it kind of felt like we were all spoiled the last couple games, and we are expecting it to be a higher-scoring game. But I mean, they got the job done, and the fact that they didn't allow a goal at all is fantastic and you know you only need one goal to win so it worked but as far as the festivities and everything goes fourth of july is a long day it's a fun day but it's a long day and uh it started at 11 a.m for the steel army tailgate we had uh uh french toast and mimosas going at 11 a.m whoa on the grill it was fun (laughs) it was a fun time and yeah it went all the way till Six o'clock, where we all packed up and went in, and uh, yeah, that's when the rain started. <laughs> and Shocker, worse yeah. and worse, and then they delayed the game. And because they delayed the game, something I've never seen before is we played during uh, the fireworks. Uh, so Fourth of July fireworks are going off above, and the game's still going. So you're watching the game as the fireworks are going off, and like they ended pretty much right when the finale started <laughs> so it was like really cool <laughs> to like how, how how is that legal from like a league standpoint i mean like, i don't think there's any rules, rules about that. it so there's no it's not that it's legal or not legal it's just the fact that they probably never thought to write down hey can't play during fireworks <laughs> Kev, look, the USL can't figure out how MLS is spending money in their own league. I don't think they have a fireworks clause for something that's happening across <laughs> town, not at one of their events. So, well, no, I, look, yeah, that makes complete sense. But, like, I, I don't know. I'd be a little. But how much like, more distracting is it than a train going by 10 feet away? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's. It's not exactly like yeah, that stadium. Yeah, that's is. like, I don't know. You can kind of block that. It's like a constant loud, and then it goes away. But here's a boom, boom, boom. You're about to take a shot, and a huge firework finale goes off. I don't know. Steel like, Army can be pretty annoying. So, I, I was going to say, yeah. They can ignore fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> you have and some I, really, really quickly, <laughs> go ahead. Go, going back to that French toast thing, um, is, is it, <laughs> do you soak... <laughs> Do you, do you soak the toast in mimosas? No, 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 no. These are two separate French... things. Do not mix mimosas and French toast together. Well, you said mimosa, French toast. <laughs> I said mimosa and, I never heard that and French toast. No, they're they're two. They, okay. they, they they pair. 
Okay. Yeah, that, that, sounds Ugh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I think we both just heard mimosas and French toast and immediately went, oh, and just like blocked out the and part. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Also, shout out to the random guy who was on, I don't know if he was on the Gateway Clipper or just some random boat that they got on camera of him just standing there shirtless with his arms spread open <laughs> as the boat rolled past Highmark on 4th of July. Um, that was fantastic. That made the, I think that made the highlight reel for the, for the game itself. So uh, we need more. Well, I don't want to say we need more of that because that might open the door to other things that people are exposing and showing as they roll down the, the, the river. Well, so that we'll escalated. That. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, Guys, there was a game that was played on the field. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think we should. Wait, what, what was that? Like some, some hockey team got famous, whatever, because like there was fans who would dress up as the two green men and just sit by the penalty box and just like annoy them or whatever. I remember this. Uh, we could be the equivalent of that for USL soccer. It was, was it Buffalo? It wasn't Buffalo. Buffalo wasn't good back then. I mean, we already have what, a guy in a bodysuit. The Blue Jackets? <laughs> That's true. But, I mean, we can, we can add crazy novelty yeah. because who else plays on a river and can that boat's go? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we should leave the novelty uh, shticks to uh, Las Vegas lights. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, we don't want to get in an arms race with you them. Can't out, <laughs> you can't out-shtick Las Vegas. I'm sorry. <laughs> That said, if you have a boat and you're interested in going down the river during a Hounds game, let us know because we could have some fun with this. Um, <laughs> woo! Uh, okay, so game. Game, game, game. Um, guys, what are your takeaways from this one? Josh, you know, what's, uh, give us a takeaway. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about this and not like compare and contrast to uh, the Charlotte game. But the lineup is, you know, a solid lineup, and it looked like this. It, they were there to get the job done. Um, yeah, we didn't have all the goals that we've are come accustomed to, but it was still nice to see the team kind of feel solid. Uh, I don't think there was any changes from the week before, um, so it felt like this was the team, and like, okay, we're going in. Uh, Riviera, he didn't start before, I don't think so. But what? Well, no. Yeah. And- what Kasai doesn't start? Kasai didn't and... start this game, did he? Oh yeah, he did start. I'm sorry. I thought he did. Yeah, and then Valeski well, as well. Well, I'm there full some crap then yeah. because <laughs> I obviously can't remember after all and those Jordan tailgating hours. Uh, <laughs> 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 moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, so they they make changes, and and I think um, the changes that they made for this game, you know, we talked about it before the best steel game. You know, would they? feel like they had to rotate because of two games in such short, short succession. So, I, you know, we have the benefit of, of knowing the Charlotte lineup as well, but obviously they were thinking of that here. Um, I would argue this is probably the slightly stronger lineup than the uh, Charlotte game, but, I mean, it's just benching the, the lineup talk for a second. Um, I, I mean, I thought relatively given given the, you know, context around what fourth of july is in the in the weather and and all that kind of stuff um and and the fact that like you know i i don't know we, we like to rag on bestie a little bit because they're you know quote unquote in-state rivals um they're a good side and 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 despite all of that i actually thought we played pretty well i mean i i was kind of surprised to I, it seemed like around Twitter and, and kind of, you know, recaps of the game, written recaps of the game and all that kind of stuff, there was a general feeling of, eh, we didn't create a lot of chances and it was blah, and we just kind of scored. 
I mean, I thought there was at least two really good chances in the first half. I mean, Adewale gets on the end of a cross from Kerr, I think, in in the first half, and I think seven times out of ten puts that away. Um, and the same thing, I think Valeski gets gets across from Dover and uh, at the back post and just puts it wide. And you know, we created a couple other chances um, throughout the game. I, I thought we played relatively well um, and, and kept. Bastille pretty quiet. I mean, the whole lineup thing is something that, Kev, you and I talked about a little bit where we said, why do we think we were getting so many goals when we were? Why was the team getting so hot? And we mentioned that we think it's it's mostly consistency. And if you sort of look at at least this game against Beth Steele, there's really one, two, uh, three, four changes from the from the lineups from the previous three games where we sort of went on that tear. It's your two outside backs and then Kasai and Valeski. And, you know, part of me just wonders, first of all, you know, these guys play weekly. Um, but if if we're really concerned that they're not fit enough to play two games a week, is that a bigger concern for sort of just the state of this lineup moving forward? Or is that more of, you know, Lily's made a point of saying that he really wants to have a team that can go 14, 15 deep, and he knows he can put them in at any point in time. But I'm starting to wonder if that's actually the case. Like, I, I'm not doubting that Valeski and Kasai and, um, you know, Rivera aren't good players. They are good players. But there is something to be said of a guy being where you expect him to be because you've played with him enough that you know where they're going to be. And, you know, I think we saw that with in, in you know, two previous weeks with um, the Nico Brett Dos Santos partnership, where it's sort of you just pick up the ball and flick it in the space because, you know, that's where the player is going to be. If you're playing with somebody that you don't always play with, you don't have that sort of connection and therefore you don't get those sorts of opportunities. So I'm slightly concerned that even though we have some depth, that once you start breaking apart that starting 11 that we saw in the previous weeks that were so dominant. And, you know, if you listen to the USL show, they were talking about just how dominant they were and they're sort of projecting the hounds to finish fourth at the end of the season. This was before these two games. Um, Is anybody else concerned about, I'm not saying we don't have super subs. I'm just saying that if we try to, you know, mix in four, or I think in this, in the game against Charlotte, it was like eight you know, players that aren't part of that core 11 that have been so successful that we're sort of setting ourselves up for not the level of success that we saw previously. I mean, there's also something to be said about, you know, the 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 crim of the crop as far as, like, your subs and going farther down in the sub list. Because I would argue that Valeski is almost a starter because he has had multiple starts. He has come into multiple games. He has, like over 500 minutes for the, the hounds this season like he's not like a spring chicken you know what i mean he's he's right. pretty seasoned in this uh squad so uh, valeski starting doesn't concern me um it's it's more of you know the second game where we had forest start where it's like forest has had like zero starts has come in a couple times like three times 19 minutes total and has a red card the very first time he came out um not great he also played a open cup game but that open cup game was against Columbus, and it was like, yeah, come on, like it, that was a different situation for that. So, 
I would be more worried about those type of subs who hardly ever get any play and then suddenly are thrust into a you know pretty important game. Uh, not important game, but all games are important. But as far as like a situation where you're on a run, you want to keep that momentum going. I felt like this was kind of a, a weird, awkward time to just give them the start. And there was a reason why he was the first one to be subbed off. I guess that's that. That then begs the question of: In this scenario, are you okay with Lily basically giving these guys a start so that they get the experience, or are you more in favor of you just keep riding the hot hand and just try to see how many points you can get out of it? I mean, Kev, where do you where do you stand on that? Or would you prefer to see somebody like Mark Force get the start in the games like this? So I have to assume based off of the subs made, that this was purely a fitness decision. I, I have to assume that Lily, for whatever reason, didn't think these players, you know, the squad as a whole was fit enough to do two games in two, in two weeks because there's no other reason to do this because, you know, you, you've won four games straight. Why would you change all that kind of stuff? Um, curiously enough, just a small little po- like side note, Forbes and Greenspan, and I think Vonkyzeal too. Yeah, Forbes, Greenspan, and Vonkyzeal were the only players to play in both games, and they weren't subbed off in either game either. So um, obviously, Lily trusts their fitness. But so, it, so you have to assume it's a fitness issue. And so, really, I'm not going to debate whether or not like four should be brought in or, or like players like that should have been given a chance. I think the argument is more of okay, if they're going to play in one of these two games, which game is it? And who do you partner them with? Because I think, so in, in, in the first game, it's uh, DeSantos and Valeski who started against Beth Steele. And against Charlotte, it's Brett and Forrest. I think you can make a, I don't know, I, you can make an argument for saying because DeSantos and Brett have built up such a nice partnership, maybe go top heavy and, and put them in a game together to ensure that that connection, because I, I think part of it is we've seen them play individually uh, without each other, without building a partnership, up, you know, early on in the season, and they weren't tearing up trees. I mean, they they were quite flat, if anything. So, I I would make their keep them together, and it, it's about when you play these other squad players. So, even though it maybe sounds a little, you know, weaker, I, I, yeah, I'd say start Brett and DeSantos, and then start Forrest and Velasquez in one, and then. You know, Maybe if you're not as confident in Valeski and Forrest, maybe the game plan is, all right, keep it tight for 60, and then we can, we can bring on Brett or DeSantos or both, you know, you know try to play defensively, may, you know, maybe try to grab a goal off a set piece or something like that. Um, and and we, they didn't, uh, and Lily didn't do that. He split up the strikers, blah, blah, blah. Um, other than that, I, I think the fact that Forbes plays both games, I mean, the other partnership I think we're seeing is Mertz and Forbes. Um, but if you're only going to play Mertz in one game, that's that's fine you know Forbes plays in both so at least one of the games you get that partnership um you know everywhere else around the field I think it's pretty reasonable to make the subs that that he does um he did switch out the goalkeepers again which I thought was interesting even though I don't you know Morton was on like what three clean sheets in a row or something like that granted he wasn't being tested that much um he brings in pack for this one and uh yeah I mean that that makes me feel like that this was rotation for rotation's sake and like to kind of bring it back to you know how many games they played but wait what oh the keep, not just the, the keeper, keeper the, the keeper is a good squad. example of that where i don't think there was right. any reason to put uh pack and net when morton was on a you know a great 
winning streak as far as you know getting one right. goal in like what four games uh yeah. it's a situation where i feel like you have to have more confidence in those players to be able to muster up that strength and play it play through it because like you have uh charlotte they they made one change off of they had the exact same number of games they they played on june 29th july 4th and they play on july 7th and they made one change uh I mean, their players just might be more fit than I, 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 I feel like that's that's more of an issue than not then. Because if the players are more... If our players can't do this, then that is no, a I huge agree. problem. Yeah. And I can't imagine their fitness being that bad, especially under someone like Bob Lilly, who is probably, uh, you know very much a a disciplinary a very much of a you know you have to get your fitness level up every week in week out like i can't imagine being like yeah you're fine <laughs> i will say i mean but i think along that point the fact that you know forbes greenspan and monkey zero are the ones who's trusted to go twice in a week might speak to i mean if you're going to pick out you know the most professional players you would argue from a fan's perspective it might be those three. I mean, throw Kerr in there, but also, you know, Kerr's getting up there in years. Maybe he's maybe he is fit and, and takes responsibility upon himself to do all that kind of stuff. I, you know, Forbes and Greenspan and Vonky Zio, I think, are the utmost professionals. You would imagine themselves. Or is it because we have no one who can themselves. take their place on the bench? Whoa. Get, I, don't I mean, like, you. if you're going to make eight changes get, to your starting lineup, you, like, you only have right. so many more subs to switch out. What? I mean, what other center backs do we have? I mean, we have, we have, Greenspan, Adewale, and Uzo. Like we don't really have. I mean, Vankiezil, but like, fine. There, I mean, we we can we can throw out the Greenspan Vankiezil argument um, and just stick with Forbes because obviously you do a lot of running yeah. in midfield. You know, center back. Maybe you can get away with uh, having you know two games in a week. You're not running as much. Um, I I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, maybe we just don't have the personnel to do full changes. Um, yeah, no, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's, it's a tough, <laughs> so, like, it's hard to, like, you know. But I, I guess if that's the case, then we would expect to see maybe Forbes get a rest in the next game. And then, yeah. But again, like, I, Forbes feels like he's Lily's guy. and like, Yeah, but it, if this is a fitness thing, like, and, but and that, I really okay. think it is. But okay, so Kev, you're making the argument that it's a fitness thing. Yeah. Josh, you're making the argument that it's rotation for rotation's sake, which, regardless of the situation, the Hounds clearly didn't look as good in these two games as they did in the previous games where they were so dominant up top. So, in that case, what is more concerning that well, so, we still see, are doing like rotation for rotation's sake, or that our guys aren't fit enough to play two games a week? How, how, like, I don't know. I find it really hard to believe in the argument that it's rotation for rotation sakes because he he didn't change the lineup for like five games in a row, and we were so, doing great. So why why when I say that? that what point? I also mean with that is that he thinks that the team needs to be rotated. I don't know. I feel like it's a lack of trust in the guys to get the job done. Um, it's I'm not saying so much that it's rotation for rotation sake. I didn't like there's no need for it, but I'm saying that it felt like Lily didn't trust the guys to be able to play another game. Uh, two games in a week right. so he he made yeah. that decision when i don't think that decision right. needed to be made i mean if you can't and play like you're practicing every day of the week so it's it's not like these guys aren't used to running and i know a game's different than practice but it's it's, it's part of the job <laughs> i mean i can't imagine that they couldn't have handled 
two games in a week. And if it if it was a fitness concern about them playing two games in a week, then why not just start the same eleven that you did the past three games on Thursday? Just like start that whole squad, and then whoever's too tired, then you like put in different players on Sunday. Mm. Because I guess you can make the argument you could spread the wealth and still get by, and maybe and that's legit. Like, yeah, I understand Whereas, that idea. I just I reject the idea that they couldn't have handled it. Um, I, I I have more faith in this team and these and the personnel we have to think that they could play two games in a week and been okay, especially against these two teams. It's not like we are playing the top of the league teams uh, two weeks in or, or in one week, two teams in one week. We're playing pretty below the you know the midpoint teams that we should be able to to beat i would think yeah i mean charlotte's and on a run um, i was gonna say in all fairness to charlotte they've been on a run recently and this feels very i mean you look at it i think somebody said there were eight changes from that team or from the team that that was on the the three game run um and sort of looking at it you figure pack frankie played james played uzo um Velarde, uh forest so really i'm counting four um if you want to throw frankie in there maybe five changes from that squad that was on that tear um but i I mean it almost feels like not that we underestimated charlotte but we definitely didn't give them as much respect as we did bethlehem and that ultimately came back to bite us i mean uh, we're sort of we said hey should we talk about these games separately and then we just sort of morphed into talking about them individually i guess before we get into the charlotte game is there any other takeaways or anything of importance that we want to talk about as it relates to the beth Steele game uh, i got nothing else uh, rain delays suck and that is true for both these games yeah although it could have helped <laughs> us in this game but uh you know uh yeah gotta laugh when you know in the charlotte game they basically they they switch to a camera angle that's on the field because it wasn't safe for the camera operators who were 30 feet above the field but the players are okay on the field that's fine we just need to bring the camera operators down off the stands Again, Kevin, these are the same people that you think are going to put in some sort of delay because there's fireworks across the river. Like I will say that this is the worst I've seen USL this year as far as broadcasting. As far as, you know, yeah. the everything from the quality of like pronouncing the names correctly, I felt like every single name was mispronounced. Uh it, it to the Donkey is yeah, easy. Like that like okay, it's a hard <laughs> name. I get it. But you have a guide in front of you that tells you the correct yeah. you know, the correct way of saying their name. So like read that every yeah. single time instead of just being like nah i got it and then like half the other names are wrong too it wasn't even like the hardest ones that were wrong um but then also the the quality of the camera like it felt like the the tripod was loose so the camera was like shaking up and down and left to right every time he like moved the camera you could hear the cameraman on the stream i kept on hearing him complain <laughs> and saying how i could barely see the ball like turn his mic off at least that's a good idea like i was like well that's that shouldn't be on the stream like i should be able to hear the cameraman complain to the guy next to him about how you know i can't even see the ball i don't even know where it's at it's like yeah we can tell buddy uh, <laughs> so like that was terrible yeah it was just it was a crap show the whole the whole thing it was just so annoying and of course it doesn't help that everyone in their stadium seems to sit on the same side as the camera so you can't see anyone at all (laughs) in the stands hear anyone at all like it felt like a golf clap you could hear lily the whole time whole time it was just like loud as day so ah bah yeah my 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 kids were watching the game with me and they were like wow there's like 
nobody there. <laughs> and I was like, uh, that's just what it looks like. I'm sure there are people there. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this game was just a mess. I, I think that a lot of us were sort of holding out hope of, okay, we saw the lineup and we talked a lot about the lineup and we said, okay, you know, this is just to get the guys some rest. I think in retrospective, I, I'm, Josh, I'm sort of in your camp where I feel like there was a lot of rotation for the sake of rotation, but if that was the case, we had the start, we had these guys in our back pocket that could potentially come on and, and make a big difference. Um, I was a little bit surprised that the first sub on was Adewale for Uzo. Like when you're struggling to sort of connect passes and really put any pressure on Brandon Miller, their keeper, like your first sub is your center back. I mean, to be fair, um, it was which, it was a double sub. It was Uzo and Forrest came off. Um so it wasn't just the you know the defense. They also had a forward. Yeah, and the idea behind that could have been set pieces. I mean, because both Adewale and DeSantos was brought on at the same time. I mean, they're pretty, pretty uh, easy targets for for mm-hmm. set pieces. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, I that was just what I saw, and I was like, really? I, I yeah, I totally missed that. Those Santos came in at the exact yeah. same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, even even with those guys in there, I mean, it was a tall order to try to get it done, um, and it just it was sloppy. And then the last ten minutes were on a rain delay, and there was speculation of you know will they just cancel the game because there's only ten minutes left? At which point they could actually say that Charlotte wins one nothing, and we're just not going to play the last ten minutes. They came back, they played the last ten minutes. It didn't make a difference. Hounds lose one nothing. It's our first loss in a month and a half ish. It feels like. And I feel like we've we've put a lot of this blame on on Lily, and I I don't think that's fair exactly because this was also a lot of uninspiring play from everyone on the field. Like I did not feel like anyone was there to win. It just felt like they're going through the motions, and it was really disheartening. Like I I expected passion, especially coming from Dos Santos when he came on because like okay you're coming on as a super sub, you know even Kerr coming on in the 76th minute he had one of the better touches like right after he came on of the whole game. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Like I just felt like no one there was like, "All right, we can do this. Let's do it." It just felt blah the whole time. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. I mean, Kev, do you have any other sort of takeaways from this one? I mean, yeah, not much more to add. Um, I thought the, the the field was just in terrible condition too, which was just really unfortunate. Um, the only thing I will say, I mean, I think earlier on in the season, one of the big things. I was harping on a lot was our passing accuracy, both in this game and in the best steal game. We're we're kind of consistently hitting mid seventy percent passing accuracy, which still isn't great. You know, you'd like to see it consistently be in the high seventies, low eighties, but the fact that we're out of the sixties <laughs> for passing accuracy is is very welcome. I mean, you know, if if you look at the stats uh, for for this game, we actually match Charlotte pretty well in 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 all aspects of it. As far as possession, it's split 50-50. You know, our passing accuracy is both 76-78. We commit around the same number of fouls. You know, it's, it's the the biggest thing is shots on target. They have two, we have none. Obviously, you know, we can't we can't score a goal if we don't get a shot on on that, which was just it's very disheartening. But I think I don't know. At the same time, too, I we always mention the weather, but I think it it is something to maybe talk about. And I understand both teams have to play in the same weather conditions, but 
I mean, that, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to start like start and stop, especially when you're when you're out there with players you're not used to playing with and all that kind of stuff. You know, these aren't easy conditions to play in, um, especially against a team that's at home, that's on a run of form, is winning games. You know, I think they what what went like five games unbeaten or something like that. Charlotte did. Um, so this wasn't an easy task, and it wasn't helped by uh, you know outside conditions. Um, so, you know, what we we win four games in a row. It's not like we got tonked here. We can still go back and and take some confidence going into uh, Tampa at Highmark next week. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we should probably talk about the goal. Um, I, I unfortunate for Pack. I, I feel like that that was definitely on him. I mean, that that should have been a save. Uh, the fact that he didn't make a dedicated run towards the ball or vice versa. Like, you know, he didn't stay in the box. It's one of those things with Pack is he, he likes to come out, and he, he is very often off his line. So when you do that, you have to be really confident and go after those balls. And that was a situation where he just got chipped, and it sucks. Yeah. As soon as it happened, I was like, ah, oh, that's like a fluke goal. But then, you know, after the umpteenth replay, because they just love showing it over and over again and calling it a glorious chip, <laughs> it was intentional. It wasn't a glorious chip, but it was intentional. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, but, again, that's something that you would expect this team to be able to dig out of. And as you guys both said, it's just not 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 today. So uh, he didn't make a great save um, when Charlotte had that kind of combination play early on. I think it was like around the ten minute mark or whatever. And I mean, I think them pulling off play. I think they strung together like it felt like five one touch passes yeah. in a row, and eventually it led with one of the Charlotte players one on one with with Pack, um, and Pack stands up pretty well and, and reads it well and kicks it away. Um, you know, I think that again speaks to the level that Charlotte are. You know, the the kind of the groove they're getting into. I mean, we talked to Hugh uh, Roberts earlier on in the season when we played Charlotte at home, and you know he talked a lot about how confident he was in in a lot of these you know veteran players with with good you know resumes you know coming to Charlotte, and it, it just he felt like it, they needed just some time to to get together and, and get into their groove, and I think we're we're finally kind of seeing that, and and Charlotte could be a a real test for the entire Eastern Conference and uh, the latter stages of the season yeah no doubt anybody around charlotte has sort of been like scratching their heads about why they've been doing as poorly as they have been and obviously they've turned it around kev like you said they they uh they haven't dropped points in the past five games and it just feels like this was another team that needed some time to sort of click and gel and they're full of veterans and guys who have played in foreign leagues and they're all bringing their own talents in so they're gonna be a team to watch out for here especially as uh, as we get down the stretch for sure um, but guys, so the, the loss basically keeps the Hounds at eighth, uh, in the table, 10th, obviously being the cutoff for the playoffs. So there are two spot, two spots above that. We still got a lot of games to go here. Um, but, uh, you know, the most, the, the, the most pressing game here that we need to turn our focus to is Kev, like you said, Tampa's coming to town on Saturday and Tampa leading the East first place, 39 points. Um, the last three games they played have been wins, um, I mean, this was a game that I think, Kev, when you and I sort of recorded in the car, I was feeling really confident about because of the run that the team was on. And it was just, you know, again, the USL guys said it where it was, the USL show guys said it where it was just like, you know, the hounds were hot and like nobody wanted to play them. But I think after these last two games, 
again, for whatever reason, I think you start to doubt a little bit what the guys can do. So I guess my question to you guys is going into this game this weekend, we're, we're hoping for the lineup from like last week, right? Like, are are there any there two which, weeks ago? Which lineup? I'm, talk, I'm <laughs> talking. I'm talking. I'm talking about yeah. the one from like the three game winning streak. For yeah. Forbes, Mertz, and Kerr in the midfield with Dos Santos and Brett up top. And I feel like that's a yeah. winning combination. I feel like we can definitely win this game. I know Tampa Bay is obviously doing great, but honestly, that that lineup and seeing what they can do, I have faith in that in that squad. And having all of them on the field, I I feel much better about. Tampa Bay than I did, you know, before this winning streak, obviously. Yeah. I and at home. I think that's the big yeah. part, right? I mean, you know, we, we had that three home game stretch. We won them all. And, you know, in my opinion, we won them pretty comfortably. So, yeah, there's no reason why the, the Hounds players won't be feeling up for this game. Um, and what? They – when's this game? Is it next weekend or is it – it's not midweek. No, it's next week. No, it's Saturday. So, I mean, so the players get a full week off. So you would imagine Forbes and all of them will be back in the lineup. Um, yeah, this, this should be a strong lineup. It should be a confident lineup. They all know each other. We're at home. Still, I'm going to go up for it. Probably another weather delay. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this too. I, I, I would be surprised if we lost. Okay. So let's, let's do it. So, Kev, we had, we had said when we were in the car, I said the over-under at six and a half points. Regardless of what happens, we're not getting a six and a half. But are we getting to six over these three games? Are we getting? I mean, you said a win. Let's. Uh, what's your what's your score prediction here? How do you think this? Well, plays I didn't out? say a win. I said I'd, I'd be surprised if we lost. <laughs> um, so I, I I could see. I mean, yeah. I I think if we beat them, it wouldn't be a shock. It it, it definitely wouldn't come out of nowhere. Um, but I mean, I you know I I, look, I I haven't watched Tampa closely all season. Like I I don't know the kind of form they're in. I know they've won the past three or whatever, but you know I, I took a quick look at their scores and it hasn't been like convincing. They're not completely blowing people away. Um, so yeah, they they obviously they're top of the East for a reason. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I we can get a draw. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's likely it's likely a draw. Um, if you're asking for a score prediction, I'll say. Don't say two two. Don't say two two. <laughs> Lily special. You're gonna say two two. <laughs> yeah. I'll Josh. say two, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, two two. Two zero. I, I'm thinking the Hounds win this. I, I feel like this team now in the form that they're in. You know, it's hard to judge them from the, the double header that we just had because it was completely different personnel on the field. Uh, so yeah, I feel like this could definitely be a shutout, two zero. Morton and Net, let's do it. Do you ever think you'd be saying that with confidence, Morton and Net? I like how you think I'm saying it with confidence right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is Morton both of yours like clearing away number one keeper? Right now he is. I mean, who knows what's yeah, going to happen so. with. Uh, potential signings or potential you know uh, loans coming in especially with columbus uh just signing a new keeper so it's possible that we get long guard back so who knows that'd be hilarious um 
Well, let's let's put it this way though. How how far ahead is Morton in your mind? Let's say Morton gives up the exact same goal Pack did against Charlotte. Are you then like, all right, put Pack back in? Like, how how committed are you guys to to Morton right now? I still kind of feel like Pack is a bit of a wild card. Um, not that I don't like the fact that he comes off his line so much and that he's so aggressive. It's just a very different style from what we've seen from most Hounds keepers over the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something that the defense would have to adjust to. And we've talked about sort of consistency. And, you know, if, at least if you have somebody in there that plays a consistent style as other people that have been in there, then it's less of a problem. Um, but when you start mixing it up and you're not sure if the keeper's coming or going or whatever it may be, then you start running into issues. So uh, I would say that Morton's the guy for now. Um, even if Morton gets chipped like that, I'm, I think I'm, I'm more likely to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point. Um, now, if Lundgaard comes back, that might be a different conversation. But if it's just you know Morton or Pack, I'm saying Morton. Yeah, I just feel like he is uh, more of a veteran player, and he also has a better rapport with these the back line that we have right now. And it's tough too because like we have a pretty commanding back line and you usually hear, you know, people say that the the keeper is the general in the back, like he's the one, you know, calling the shots. And I don't know if that's the case with the Hounds. I, I think with you know, when you have Greenspan back there and I, that it's kind of like how how do you keep that as cohesive and they they seem to be able to figure a little bit more out with Morton than with Pack. We have a general on the sidelines. <laughs> um, he lets everybody know where they need. That's to another be thing that constantly. announcers love to talk about the whole freaking game was uh oh man Lily yeah. sure is yelling a lot. I'm like yeah this is what he does. <laughs> yeah, just watch a hound yeah. game. Um, Back to the Tampa game. I'm gonna, um, Josh. I like your call. I like two nothing. I think this. We talked about was the Atlanta game a turning point. I think the Atlanta game was a turning point. I think this is the opportunity for a statement game, and I think it being at home, after sort of the subpar performances this week, that this is a chance for the Hounds to make a statement. And you know, the next one after that is gonna be North Carolina, which is not gonna be easy either. Both of those are at home. Then they travel on the road to face Hartford. We got Memphis, Swell Park, so we got a few easier games after these next two. But if you sort of put the stamp down and say Rowdies and uh, and and take three from them, um, I think everyone else is definitely going to quickly forget about these last two games. Even though we did get three points out of two games, so which is better than two points out of two games, which we did a lot yeah. earlier this season. So, uh, so yeah, that's what we think. Let us know what you think, guys. Anything else we want to talk about here? I'm tired of midweek games. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the schedule. I don't think we have many until September-ish. No, I'm sorry. There's one in August um, against the Red Bulls. And then we get into a string of Friday games for That's some weird. reason, but they're still one a week. And then we have a few Tuesday games once we get in October and September, late late September, early October. But otherwise, everything else is on the weekend. But yeah, midweek games. Uh, but I'm also tired of being fun. down games compared to everyone else on the table. So it's kind of a conundrum. Yeah. Just, you know. So other teams have to just stop playing for a little bit, like, you know, take two weeks off. That's, I mean, the the flip side of that is it's nice to look and be like, well, you know, we may be below them, but we still got a few games left we got to play. We can make those yeah, up. It makes the but, table uh, pointless. You can't look at the table and be like, well, we're three games behind them, so it's real. It's yeah, like, oh, what but, the heck does that mean? 
when we've got 20 points and Tampa's played two more than us and have 39, I think it's still valid to say that Tampa would be doing better. They're the outlier. Um, like I'm talking about like everyone at like 31 <laughs> points and down. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which is basically third place yeah, and below. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press. Best choice for you custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. One thing they don't do is scarves, and for that, we thank Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USO, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head over to mongols.com. Hear all the shows we put out, including the preview show, post-game full 90, all of that. You can click over to the store, get yourself some sweet merch, like a hat, victory beverage mug, lily ball shirt, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Mongols. Email us at mongolsbgn.fm, at mongolspod on Instagram. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to the show, leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.